Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. South have a very specific identity when it comes to culinary scene. And Korean food, you know what? Very, very similar. Because Korean food also is like surviving hunger, surviving poverty, surviving winter, and eating, you know, from nose to tail. Like, I think all of those things like really resonated with me. When I first had collards, it reminded me of like namur. It was like so soulful, like what my grandmother would make with like radish greens, you know, shiregi, reminded me exactly of that. Um, also like chitlings, you know, Koreans always eat, you know, pork intestines or fried with all the greens. Just all of those things I really appreciated and I kind of wanted to respect the Southern culture. Welcome to Get Down with K-Town. I'm your host, Esther Choi. What's up, party people? It's another glorious day down in the south here in Atlanta. And I've been up since 6 a.m. cooking up a storm, preparing another great episode for you all. This morning, I have the pleasure of finally meeting someone in flesh that I've been following on Instagram for a long time. The founder of the handle Korean Fusion, Song Hee Lee. What's up, Song Hee? Hi, how are you? We finally meet in person. I mean, <laughs> we live in this era, right? Right? I know. I mean, I'm sure this happens to a lot of people. But it's amazing when you become friends through social media, but like never get to actually meet a person until years later. It's such a great thing, no? I love it. Right? Yeah. It's amazing. Like, I just really love Instagram and social media for this kind of stuff. Like, same. Connecting. Yeah, because like you have the same interest. Yeah, exactly. And you can tell easily by just, you know, looking at Instagram posts and then 
I don't know. I kind of get to decide if I want to be friends with this person or not. Right. <laughs> oh, man. So judgmental. <laughs> Just a little bit. And, you know, you kind of grow together mm-hmm. on Instagram, which I think it's a really cool thing to see. It's community. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. It's community in a different way where you don't actually have to be living close to each other. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's what I meant when I said, like, we live in this era of, like, digital connectivity, yeah. which is Pretty cool. I, I love it. Okay, going back to Songi, you are the author of the cookbook, Everyday Korean. A writer, teacher with a PhD in human nutrition. Born and raised in Korea, studied traditional Korean royal court cuisine, which we can go into later. And you also teach cooking classes here in Atlanta. Yes. Korean cooking classes? Korean cooking classes. Mm-hmm. I usually do actually wine pairings together because oh. I think it's really interesting. You know, a lot of people say Korean food is spicy, so you drink Riesling with it. You know, it's like very dismissive. Mm-hmm. And I find it actually very condescending because the person who's recommending the wine does not know the cuisine well enough, you know. And so I kind of wanted to debunk that myth by pairing, you know, sundae with champagne. I or, love that. Yeah, like bibimbap with like sancerre. You know, like, I kind of wanted to like break that barrier. stereotype yeah. and barrier. Yeah. But this is not your full-time job, though. It is my side hustle. <laughs> yes. Uh, I work as an epidemiologist, but I love it. I love cooking so much. I Every free time I have, I dedicate to cooking. That's amazing. So... You took Korean cooking classes in Korea for fun then? It was just for... Well, I was born and raised in Korea, and I studied food and nutrition in college. And my mentor said, if you are considering to study abroad, you really need to learn real Korean cooking because everyone's going to be asking you about Korean food. So on weekends, I took Korean royal court cuisine classes, Mm -hmm. um, at Taste of Korea. Okay. Hangugemat. And um, what is royal court cuisine? Well, you know that Korea once had kingdom and food for the king, basically. And there are certain rules and um, things that needs to, elements that needs to go on a dish, for example. And I often use this example because I think it resonates with a lot of them. So five color, obangsek, mm-hmm. needs to be present on the dish, which represents north south, east, west, and center. And center is yellow, which represents the king. And if you think about it, not a lot of food is yellow from the get-go. And that's one of the reasons why Koreans make yellow uh, egg yolk crepe and egg white crepe to represent those colors. Separately. Exactly. And that's why you see them as garnish a lot in Korean cooking. Especially royal cuisine, obviously. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Love that. Love that. And um, how was your experience doing these cooking classes, learning the royal cuisine, and how did that affect your cooking now? Yeah. So the whole idea was to maintain tradition from the olden recipes, you know, and how it can be translated into modern um, cooking. Because a lot of the recipes were written for 200 people who live in the palace. So it would be two buckets of soy and, you know, like a jug of water, or well water, and it just doesn't make sense. So how can we make that for family of four? So we needed to recalibrate those recipes to two cups of soy and, you know, a cup of or a tablespoon of, you know. And over time, soy sauce also has changed, right? Back in the day, it was made from scratch and it was a lot saltier. Now it's you know, 
factory made and it there's has different some, levels too exactly mm-hmm. so we needed to we couldn't just scale it down proportionally we had to adjust uh, back and forth to how much soy we're going to put in for to really let this dish shine and that was like a, a work in progress and it was kind of like a research group that uh, wanted to showcase certain recipes that were not just royal but also like very traditional back in the day how can that be you know presented in the modern world and is that your cookbook, Everyday Korean, or is so, that just you or like your group? So that was the group of Royal Court Cuisine. And then I came to the United States. Okay. You know, for my PhD. And I thought I knew how to cook Korean food in and out, but all the ingredients were different. And so if I were to make kimchi the same way I would in Korea, it'll be so mushy here mm-hmm. because the cabbage is not thick enough and it contains more water. So it needed less of less salt, like less time to, you know, marinate in salt. All of that needs to be relearned. And from that process, I also figured out, oh, Americans use oven because, you know, Koreans don't have oven. Oh, my gosh. That was always a thing. Like, yeah, in Korea, none of the kitchens have ovens. Exactly. So I thought, oh, I can make kalbijim, you know, braised short ribs in the oven. Like, how cool is that? Amazing. Yeah. Mind blown. So I kind of basically, you know, progressed in American kitchen setup with very traditional Korean cooking in mind. And that's how it became everyday Korean, where it's not threatening for American home cooks to, you know, create Korean dishes, some very traditional, but some Korean flavors that is um, more familiar to American um, population, like bulgogi meatballs, for example, okay, or like kimchi queso, you know, like things like that, that people have eaten before. And add gochugaru or gochujang, like sneak it in so that people can use those Korean condiments that they committed to like every day. That was my thought. So hence the birth of Korean fusion. Yes. (laughs) I love that you have that handle, by the way. Can we talk about your Instagram a little bit? Just because like obviously it's an iconic Instagram when it comes to like Korean food and your dishes are so beautiful, but not all Korean all the time. Can you like talk about how you started the Instagram and how it became like a real community to you? Yeah, for sure. So I started off Korean Fusion as I was working on my cookbook. And I really okay. wanted to see, like, what recipes people want to, like, learn how to make. So it was almost like a hand-in-hand. You created mm-hmm. it for research, and then it just became this Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And I would ask questions, like, what are you afraid of when it comes to making Korean food? You know, like, oh, people were saying, I'm really worried a kimchi jar would explode. And so, okay, I wanted to really incorporate that into the book, that it's not always going to explode. Here are tips on, like, how to burp you know, your kimchi or use like a plastic container versus jar when you're beginning to ferment, you know, things like that. And then the whole fusion thing. I know fusion is the F word, but I really like don't. You know what? There's not, it's it's not a negative word, you know? I personally don't think so. Because how else are you going to explain the marriage of, you know, food combination that tastes good? Just because previous generation have messed it up, like... I don't think that connotation has to carry on. So, for example, my co-author, Kim Sune, she lived in France for a long time. So whenever I make something, she's like, oh, if we add creme fraiche, I think it'll be really delicious. You know, and to me, that's a true collaboration of two delicious things, you know, married into one. And like gochujang crema that I have on my book, one of the most popular thing because it's so easy. It's gochujang, creme fraiche. Yeah. Mix it up and you use it as a crudité dip. Yeah. And. You know what? 
if two things come together and it tastes amazing, like who cares what, you know, what, where it came from and what mm-hmm. the word is. Yeah. But yeah, it's true. There's no other word that can translate to fusion. I think so. Right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm owning mm-hmm. it proudly. <laughs> Obviously. Yes. <laughs> and you're doing a great job. Thank you. Um, so, yes. So talking about back, back to your cookbook, just or just your handle. Mm-hmm. And like, so you were speaking to your audience and already getting those tips before even writing the book, right? Mm-hmm. Using Instagram as a platform. Yes. And then interacting with people, you know, like I began with like 500 followers, you know, and that community grew actually really, really strong. And those people that I interacted with are still like my fans to this day. And they still give me feedback. And like, I feel like I know them personally now because it's Mm -hmm. been over like five, six years. And, you know, as I grow, and as my followers grow, I understood that true Korean food, as much as it's important, I thought, you know, that's a little too foreign for a lot of my followers. Mm -hmm. And I really want I learned that I need to kind of uh, help them walk a little before they can run when it comes to Korean food. And so I created a dish like kimchi slaw. Mm -hmm. And people call it like gateway drug to Korean food (laughs) because, you know, it's in a slaw form. People can put it on tacos. It's a side dish for, you know, good Fourth of July barbecue party. It tastes good. And then what? It's really kimchi, Mm -hmm. you know, and I want to know a little bit more about kimchi then. Like I thought that step was necessary and perhaps missing at that specific time point um, when Korean food got really popular. I don't know if you recall, like kimchi was on everything. Yeah. Kimchi on a burger, kimchi on a hot dog. It still is. It's still like a... Right. But I also thought, well, yeah, it's okay to put kimchi anywhere you want to, but like you need to make kimchi the right way first. Mm -hmm. And that's how I felt really passionately about when some of the media outlets would have kimchi recipe with like sriracha. Oh, Oh, God. Yeah. I'm like, oh, a sin. A sin. Exactly. So it's like, okay, like this cannot happen. I really need to write a book where it showcases, you know, a range of kimchi. Mm -hmm. Because like I believe kimchi is like pickle. You can make kimchi with everything. Is that what you're working on right now? Are you working on a kimchi book? No, it's actually in the Everyday Korean. There's a kimchi chapter. Okay. uh, Where there's like easiest kimchi Mm -hmm. slaw to all the way to like really super legit, you know, pechu kimchi. Yeah. Yeah, and there's everything in between, like cucumbers, turnips. And I actually just give everyday Korean kimchi paste where you can put it on everything, like green mangoes, mm-hmm. papaya, yep. onion, you know. Yep. Like, because you can really kimchi-fy anything you want. Exactly. I love the word kimchi by the way. <laughs> right? Yes. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, 
even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX Anniversary Sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. So do you think that your location or geographically where you are, obviously you're in Atlanta, mm-hmm. uh, do you think that had a lot of effect on the way you cook or your cuisine? Or Yeah, I mean, for sure. Because South have a very specific identity when it comes to culinary scene, right? Yeah, and for sure. Identity and cuisine. And Korean food, you know what? Very, very similar. Because Korean food also is like surviving hunger, surviving poverty, surviving winter, and eating, you know, from nose to tail. Like, I think all of those things like really resonated with me. When I first had collards, it reminded me of like namur. Yeah. And it was like so soulful, like what my grandmother would make with like radish greens, you know, shiregi. Yeah. It reminded me exactly of that. Um, also, like chitlings, you know, Koreans always eat, you know, pork intestines, yep. you mm-hmm. know, stir fried with all the greens. We love like, our innards. Exactly. Yeah. And just all of those things I really appreciated. And I kind of wanted to respect the Southern culture, you know, like even fried chicken. Mm-hmm. 
um, but also kind of use that as my way in to this community because um, whenever I do Korean fried chicken pop-up, for example, like lines out the door because Americans are very familiar. Atlantans, Atlantans very, very familiar with what fried chicken is, but there's no judgment when it comes to different kinds of fried chicken, right? Because uh, with, they just love fried chicken yes. in any form. Mm-hmm. And I think they see or I see it as an opportunity to, okay, here's something that you're very familiar with that we also eat. Koreans. But then here are other foods that Koreans eat that you might want to try. So it was a very interesting platform for me to use that anchor point of like intersection between Korean food and the Southern food to introduce true, true, true Korean flavors. And I can see guests, you know, excited or like concerned and scared and, you know, but tasted and just very, I don't know, casual, yeah, you know, comfortable setting. I got returning customers for different kinds of pop-ups when I did like really legit, just full-blown Korean flavors. Like I see guests who came to my fried chicken Mm pop-up. And I think that's like a really important step that I was able to observe over time and gain a little more strength in introducing really traditional dishes that are not common in restaurants, you know. I love that because I feel like if you were in L.A. or New York – and you landed, like, in those cities, it would have been very different for you. But you landed in Atlanta, and you're really this, like, spokesperson and this person who's, like, introducing Korean flavors. Mm -hmm. This is, like, kind of similar to what I do because I always find that there's always, like, an entry point. There's Mm -hmm. always, like, a gateway. And you introduce Korean flavors maybe in a disguised form in the beginning. But in the end, your goal is to, like, feed them intestines. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Exactly. Or some like crazy dish that, or like kejang, which yeah. is like um, marinated raw crab. Yeah. I actually right? did that. Um, it was my grandma pop up and I did marinated shrimp, seojang. Uh huh. Which, I mean, you don't see that anywhere. Yeah. And it's like my death row food. It's the last thing I want to eat. Really? You know? Yeah. It's so good. And, you know, with white rice and. I love seojang. Exactly. And then just like suck the head. Yeah. Right? And it's also Southern culture to like suck the head of the Uh shrimp. Can you describe what seojang is for our listeners that might not know? Sure. So seojang starts with very fresh raw shrimp. It's cured in this brine made with all the aromatics you can possibly think of. Ginger, onion, garlic, and all the sweet things like apples, oranges, lemon in soy-based brine with a little bit of rice wine. And you boil it, and then you have to chill it. You pour it over the shrimp and then put it in the fridge for 24 hours. And then after 24 hours, you have to drain the soy brine, boil it all over again to kill any unnecessary bacteria that might be growing, chill it again, and then pour it back onto the shrimp. And you repeat that for three days in a row. Yeah. And labor of love. Labor of love, indeed. So you have to have like a timer set for like every 24 hours and you can't go out, you know, like you have yeah. to be there for the shrimp. Um, and it becomes this jellyfied shrimp flesh that my co-author cleverly calls it the sea jelly. The sea jelly. The sea jelly. And the it, texture just changes yeah. in the shrimp. And it just melts in your mouth in a such pleasant way. And then the, all the roe and the gunk that's in the head becomes also jellified and becomes a sweet, salty, oceany, 
uh, deliciousness, exactly. basically. So good. So it's similar to uh, kejang, which is a soy fermented crab. Yeah, blue raw. crabs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like Jang is something like a little bit new, right? Yes. Like it's a modern a modern dish. Indeed. And it's easier to eat and easier to serve. And it doesn't take as long as kejang. Because mm-hmm. kejang usually takes up to seven days. Also, um, kejang could be a little bit like messy and mm-hmm. like all this. But like Sehu, it's like easier just, to peel. Exactly. And, yeah, it gives a similar level of sensation. <sighs> I love it. Now I'm hungry. (laughs) I love talking about food. So going a little bit back because you spoke about your pop-ups a little bit, but Mm -hmm. can you elaborate on your pop-ups and so how did it all start? Man. So my book came out and then I was doing cooking demos and more people wanted to taste my food and you know, my friends were like, I will pay you. Can you cook for me and my friends? And I was like, uh, really? Okay. And it kind of evolved. Um, but I think my biggest opportunity that I was very fortunate to get was wine community really embracing um, my Instagram and my cooking because I've been doing that as I was working on my cookbook. I would be drinking wine and, you know, come up with like good, good pairings. And then a lot of sommeliers, you know, around the world, like got really interested in like my pairing techniques. And then so they would invite me to do pop-ups. So I actually started off doing international pop-ups first. Uh-huh. In like Copenhagen and Seoul. Yeah. And, yeah. And um, actually like Guttogau, like in their winery. And I did it in London, you know, Paris. Like I did more or less European. Because that's where the wines are at. Exactly. So it was like, it would be like wines. a wine pop-up, right, yeah. with Korean food. And if you think about it, food people might not be drinking wine, but wine people always eat. Yes. Yes, I love that. Yeah, so that's how it all started. And then Atlanta here, um, a restaurant called Amano really embraced me from the very, very beginning. And said, hey, would you like to try pop-up here in Atlanta? And so I got every last Sunday of the month, you know, as my slot to do different pop-ups. And I really wanted to get Korean food known. And I when I say Korean food, like proper Korean yeah. food that yeah. I think is proper. Um, but I started, I had to start off a little slow. You know, I started with, like I said, Korean fried chicken. And I did it like three consecutive times and realized like my soul was like. Not in like, Korean fried chicken. <laughs> yeah, like sucking out of like my body because I'm like, I'm not here to sling chicken, you know, all night long. That's not really what I'm trying to do pop-up for. And that's when I really incorporated like uh, seated dinners and, you know, all the themed based and sequential like dining experience where each dish come out, everybody in the dining room eat the same time. And I come out and explain why I made that dish. So in the springtime, it'll be all the namur. Um, and then, you know, when my it was my grandmother's 99th birthday, I did all the dishes that she taught me how to make. It's beautiful. Like, you know, foraging. So it was different concepts, foraging, fermenting, salting, drying. So I made acorn jelly because I remember, you know, foraging acorn, you know, around my apartment complex growing up with my grandmother and making acorn jelly. And she's the one who taught me how to make tunjang and kuchujang from scratch, you know. And like drying certain vegetables just so that we can have it, you know, all throughout the winter and just things like that. I wanted to honor her teachings. Yeah. So, yeah, it was an opportunity where everybody got to hear all my story. And I think that's 
the add-on to my pop-up. It's not just food, but people think it's a show that they're watching. It is an educational platform where they get to learn about very detailed and specific things about certain Korean dishes. And it's a story, your story. Exactly. Food is so personal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to like the cult- cultural heritage sense, yeah. like Korean food especially. Yes. I feel like... Every person's Korean food is obviously a little bit different, like especially as a chef, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that's just so beautiful. And I love the story of your, your grandma because that's how I learned to cook. And yeah. it's, it's different, obviously, because you probably learned in Korea, but I like learned here in yeah. like New Jersey. Mm-hmm. I love that. So your pop-ups and you're still doing it now. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about opening a restaurant? I get that question a lot, but I understand the importance of hospitality and, you know, accommodating customers. And I I just, I know I can't do that. It's a different realm. Like people say, oh, customer's always right. I'm like, that's bullshit. (laughs) I'm always right. I'm always right. It's your food. Oh, you're so like chefy that way. Like it's Korean food. Like don't tell me to make that dish like vegan. Like it's not possible. Like just don't eat it. Don't come. Don't don't come. Yeah. Bye. (laughs) And I know this attitude can be a very like, you know, thrown offish, but... And not inclusive. And I I don't mean to be like that. I really want to use it as like the way I learn Korean food is very respectful of the environment, very sustainable. And we're not the type of people who would eat 16 ounce steak for one person for one meal. Like that's for family of four for four days. You yeah. know, and like I know sustainability is very, very important to me. And that's why I want to utilize like all the parts that people don't want. You know, like all the offals or all the, you know, like feeds and like tongue and tail, like people don't want. That's a lot of Korean cuisine. Yeah. And make that delicious. That's truly a chef, right? If I can make something so awful looking delicious versus like something so perfect like tenderloin, you know, like who's a better chef? And I just don't want to compromise the flavor that I want to preserve. Mm -hmm. Therefore, restaurant probably is not the best, you know, idea in the world. <laughs> I mean, uh, some restaurants still do it, right? They do nose to tail and it depends. But that's it's very difficult to do, obviously. And yeah. Just, and you know what? I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like a good restaurant is consistency. You have to have the same dish every single time. To. It's a business in the end. Yeah. And for me, I'll probably, like, die in the corner, like, shriveled because, like, I want to make something new, something different every time. Your ideal restaurant would be, like, a 10-seat restaurant that the menu changes every day. Yeah. Yeah. You know what my dream is? Like, I mean, somebody will probably, like, steal my story now. But I want to have what I call dinner and bed. So it's not bed and breakfast, but you eat dinner first and you get the bed. Because you'll be drunk and hammered <laughs> and you shouldn't be driving. But like, you know, it's like a destination worth visiting and then you eat and then, you know. You just crash there. Yeah. Bed and dinner. Kind of like a bed and breakfast. So it's like your home. Yeah. Then you and just I like, cook whatever I want. Yeah. And you're, you know, forced to eat that it. That kind of reminds me of like hazukjip, right? <laughs> <laughs> or minbak. Yeah, minbak. Yeah. Uh, um, can you describe what minbak or hazuk? I mean, Minbak is, like, very similar to Airbnb concept these days, right? Um, It's it's been around in Korea for forever, though. Forever, exactly. It is a form of housing where somebody opens their home and you get to crash in one of their rooms and then you get food the next morning or the night of. Yeah, you have to cook for your your guests. guests, And you just, like, 
kind of book on the fly. You just like go whatever's yeah. available that day, you know? Right. And these are like real homes. And this yeah. happened in like the countryside of Korea. Always. Yeah. You just like walk into a random person. I mean, you're like, here, right? <laughs> oh, I love oh, it. I love it. It's hilarious. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. What about the budding Korean population in Atlanta right now? Crazy. It's crazy. Can we talk about that for a second? Because what is this? Like, why? How? Well, first of all, I don't know if you know, but Georgia, apparently the third most spoken language in Georgia is Korean. That's that's 
freaking crazy. Yeah. And there's a huge Korean population just, you know, a few miles north of Atlanta called Duluth and you know, that whole region. A lot of Koreans. It's they've always been there. But I have they always been there, or did they just come come about in the past like ten years? Like how? Um, you know what? Don't quote me on it. Yeah. But I, as far as I was told, they were always there. And I think with the growing popularity of K-pop and Korean, you know, cinema, people want to know more about Korean food in general because that's how you know that's how you get to learn the culture, right? You listen to the music, you watch the TV, and now you want to eat their food. Um, and there are really great Korean restaurants in Atlanta, you know, like even inside the city and people get to taste it more and people want it more. And that's just how culture like lives on. Right. Yeah. And it's it's growing by the day because I hear from like all sorts of angles nowadays, like, oh, this person's from Atlanta. Oh, they're moving to Atlanta. Um, and I just like meet so many Korean mm-hmm people from Atlanta now. Yeah. And it, I thought it was really random a few years years ago, but now it's just become such a norm. Yeah. And I've just recently heard that Atlanta has I think it's like the third largest Korean population in the states. Like obviously New York and LA and then Atlanta started. I believe it. Yeah. I mean that's just like crazy. <laughs> like in the south here. Yeah. Like I love it. Well, what I've been told and I'm not so sure if it's true, but my what I heard is that Koreans who became pretty big in New York or New York, I think, or Chicago once like backyard, mm-hmm. right? Like now yeah. they've made it and they want a backyard. They want space. And Atlanta is that place where you can get, you know, you can get a dog. Yeah. And, you know, you have a backyard and you have, you know, two car garage and you can grow your own vegetables. Yeah. And like things that is near impossible in city like New York. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. Obviously, that's why they say that Koreans love to retire in Atlanta. Exactly. I yeah. think, yeah, this is like a retiree <laughs> <laughs> Korean city. And this is your city now. And you're, you're, mm-hmm. what's the future like for you? And like, what, what do you have planned? Do you have? Atlanta is growing on me. And I appreciate how people are growing with me um, in the scene, food scene, wine scene. And every time I just try to do a different pop-up. So this new up-and-coming one is Parasite. Yes, you know, we just talked about up. this. I love it. Yeah. And, you know, something that's relevant every time. And we want, really want to give people the opportunity to understand Korean culture through food. And we're actually showcasing the entirety of food that show, shows on um, Parasite, not just japaguri. Okay, can we talk about your different dishes that you're going to do? Because I think I read it. Obviously, you're doing japaguri because that's like the, the, main, thing. the yeah. main iconic dish. So I'm going to start off with hongaptang, uh, which is like drunken mussels because there's a scene uh, with like soju right by the um, convenience store when uh, the guy. When the guys are meeting, like yeah. the two boys and exactly. he's offering the, the tutor job. Exactly. Were they eating that? I didn't even notice. No, they weren't eating that, but they were drinking soju. Of and course. for me, soju is like, okay, you're drinking soju, you need like surkuk, and that's hongaptang. <laughs> so that's why I'm doing drunken mussels with, cooked with soju. And then there's a whole, fa- when the whole family goes into kisashikdang, kind of like a buffet oh, style. Oh, I love that part. Yeah. Yeah. And 
this cultural significance might not have come through in the movie if you're not Korean, and I really want to use that platform to explain what that meant, like Kisa Shikdang, like how fast paced. Can we talk about Kisa Shikdang real quick? Sure. And for the, our listeners that don't know, yeah. So Kisa Shikdang, Kisa means like driver, like usually like taxi drivers or bus drivers, and Shikdang is a restaurant. And because they usually don't have a lot of time to sit down and have a real meal, it's like a buffet style, and then you just pay. A certain amount, usually very cheap, like three dollars. You get a tray and you just pick up whatever you want to eat. You eat, you leave, you go back to your job, and it's just one of those very lowbrow. You know, the dishes banchan, and all the dishes change every day. Whatever's you know available at the market. Commoner and, food, yeah, very commoner food, and kind of like what you'd be eating at home. So it's nothing fancy or what anything like that, and. We're gonna re- kind of replicate some of the dishes that are often seen in Kisa Shikdang, like banchan or banchan, but like different kinds of banchan. You know, like tonggurang thing. Oh, I love tonggurang. <laughs> I grew up on that shit. Yeah, tonggurang thing is like a Korean meatball that's been like kind of coated in egg mm-hmm. and then like pan fried. Yeah. Oh, I want tonggurang thing now. And then like sausage jeon. You know, like the pink sausage <gasps> yes. that's like yeah, very pink, like too yeah. pink. Yeah, like very retro. You know. <laughs> That's yeah. also cut on a bias and then, like, egg, egg, egg batter. Egg and yeah. then pan fried. Yeah. yeah. So things like that. And um, it's, it's like just, my childhood food. Exactly. You know, and nothing fancy but homey and just kind of true. I love that you're doing that um, at your Parasite pop-up because that scene yeah. is very memorable for me, too. Yeah. And so, like, sangchu and, you know, kachori and things like that. And then japaguri, of course. And then we're going to have a peach dish. As a dessert. Oh, you have to have that <laughs> iconic peach. Yeah, so we're going to have, you know, going to steal everybody's heart with, um, and peach, Georgia peach, right? Duh, makes yeah. sense. So we're going to have uh, something to finish with peach, and then we're going to have a meshil-based drink. Of course, because meshil-cha. Like, yeah, their meshil-cha scene for the tutor, and then also at the very end when the, um, oh, it might be a spoiler, but when the guy uh, uh. who drinks the meshir before yep. he goes on a oh, killing yeah. spree. Uh-huh. Yeah. Meshir is like such an iconic um, symbol in that movie. Exactly. A meshir is a Korean plum, by mm-hmm. the way. And um, it's like the green plum that's super sour that usually is fermented or um, made into like liquor. Liquor. Yeah. Um, or a syrup. Mm-hmm. Right. Very important part of Korean cuisine. Yeah. So all those things will be featured in this pop-up. And I don't know. I just want to use this platform to, like, really uh, rehash japaguri, <laughs> like, what it means. Because we were just talking about, like, how angry you yeah, were. Yeah, it should never be called ramdon or whatever <laughs> that is. Like, no. It's Someone just made up that word, by the way. Like The translator. The translator made up that word. And yeah. where did that word even come from? Yeah. And it's just causing freaking havoc because it's creating more confusion people wouldn't know japaguri sure but people still don't know ramdon like the fuck what is that <laughs> no Ra- ramdon came from like ramen and udon right yeah it's so random <laughs> <laughs> see what we did there <laughs> <laughs> but no it's not called ramdon it should never be called ramdon first of all it's not ramen it's not udon right yeah and also like don't butcher a word that is specific for a dish. Yeah. Like, you can't translate the name of a dish. Yeah. I mean, japaguri, of course, is not a real word. It's japageti, which is one specific 
instant ramen noodles in Korea, and noguri, which is a completely different you know, instant ramen noodle in Korea, and it's mixed together. The whole concept is that they're both instant ramen that's so cheap, and this rich person wanted to have it. You know, it, it's like such a, you know, lowbrow dish so that, like, she ends up putting, you know, expensive beef on it. But if you say ramdon, the quote-unquote English-speaking audience have a certain expectation what ramen should look like. Yeah, you it, know? Butcher, it butchers basically the whole concept of japaguri and that scene in general. Exactly. And like uh, the symbolic meaning of why that dish is even in the movie. Exactly. So Okay, not to get so deep, but yes, getting so deep. <sighs> yes. Because this movie obviously symbolizes a lot of what Korea is. Yep. Very, you know, class-oriented and... You have to look certain way and you have to behave certain way and everybody's basically, you know, acting and they're feeding on to each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyways, you guys need to go watch the movie if you haven't yet. Like, who are you? First of all, I mean, it's it's a great movie. It gets it makes you think quite a bit. Um, I actually thought it was because I did a lot of touring when I was in college. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, I mean, that's like a, such an iconic job too, yeah, right? As a college student, you know, and if you are anywhere near being self-sufficient, you have to. And I remember like doing seven, eight, you know, tutoring job like on a given day or a given month, you know. And there, I've seen very, very rich people. Yeah. Like, like wow. Uh-huh. You know, and you went to those types of homes. Like, yeah. In the movie. And so, I, so it really resonated with me when, when these two brother sister combo like uses their name, Kevin, yeah, Jessica. It's so funny. Because so symbolic. Yeah. It's very pretentious. To, did you did you have that name, too? Did you have like an English name? No, but <laughs> to me, that speaks volume because of how Koreans perceive America or, you know, this like whole like, United States. And that's something more prestigious than their Korean name. Right. And when I came to United States, I debated whether or not I was going to have a, you know English name or keep my Korean name. And a lot of people actually suggested like, oh, you really should just go by song because that's easier for people to remember. And I got this advice from Korean American professors here in the U.S., right? So I really debated, like, what what do I do? What do I do? Do I, like, go by Jennifer, right? Was that your, like, choice of name? Well, my choice of name was Marianne because that was my French name when I um, lived in the United States. And that was, like, the closest English name I was told for the longest time. And Obama became the president. I was like, if a Barack can be president of the United States, I can can be Sahili and just be fine. And that's what I did. And I'm proud proud that I did. And... Uh, I did go by Song for a long time, and now I'm kind of going back to my real name, Sing Hee. So it's Sing, it is Sing Hee, because I was looking at your Instagram, and you had the post on your name and mm-hmm. wanting to go back to your original yeah. full name, which yeah. is Sing Hee Lee. Yeah. But then you you said that you were going by Sung. So I was like, okay, maybe she pronounces it. Maybe it's Sung Hee. Yeah, because people were able to say Samsung. And so if that's going to be the closest thing, just call me something that you know how to say. Because the E-U, ung, is yeah. a little bit difficult for... Understood. Yeah. yeah. And but sung hee. Sung means rising sun, and he means to make other people's happy. So every day I try to live, live up to my name. So, well, sung hee Lee, you are doing an amazing <laughs> job. Thank you. <laughs> and right now, I'm going to give you a piece of happiness. 
because I've made you your favorite dish. Aww. And this is a segment that I do at the end of our episode. I love cooking, obviously, I'm a chef. So I cook for all my guests, and which is why I asked you what your top three, three favorite dishes are. No. And of course, I had to pick the smelliest thing to make. And I kind of feel bad. Sorry, um, Jess and Chad, that I stank up your house with Cheonggukjang. <laughs> oh my gosh, so Cheonggukjang is like probably the smelliest Korean dish like ever. And I know Korean food like can be very stinky, but like this one is next level, d- next level stinky, but next level delicious too. But it oh, yeah. legit smells like feet. Yeah, but it's like a pois, you know, like French cheese that's stinky, but people still love it. Why exactly. can't we like Cheonggukjang and be okay with it? Stinkier the better. More go. flavor. Yeah. Well, I hope you like it. Uh, oh my god, I'm gonna cry. Are you for real? I am for real. I made this just for you. Cheonggukjang. Can you just describe what Cheonggukjang is? Why it's your favorite dish? Your fondest memory of it? Yes. Whatever you want to say. So Cheonggukjang is fermented soybeans. And the reason why I love it is because my grandmother would always make it in my room. She obviously favored me. And so she would ferment this cooked soybeans on a, like a tray made with um, hay. And then she would cover it with newspapers and then blankets and then at the, put it in the warmest part of my room. And it'll obviously stink up my room. And I really didn't care. My grandmother would say, like, go taste test if it's ready. Mm -hmm. So I would go under the blanket, taste. Grandma, I think, needs, like, five more days. I love it. Because the string, you tell Cheonggukjang is done by pulling the beans and there's, like, a string that's coming out. And my friends always made fun of my hair because it smelled like Cheonggukjang all the time. (laughs) But I knew the glorious day of getting rewarded with Cheonggukjang made it into stew. So a little bit different than doenjang, right? Uh, doenjang is soybean paste after you make soy sauce in Korea, at least. People call it Korean miso, but if you really understand how it's made, it's actually not true. Um, and it's a wild fermentation versus controlled fermentation, that of um, Japanese miso. And Cheonggukjang, I like it because it's the beans are held whole and then the um, the slimy, stringy, almost like a spider web-like thing just creates a more luscious texture when it's boiled. And I just love okay, how— I'm, uh, Can I just like—sorry to interrupt you, but now I'm like super intimidated because <laughs> I literally bought this Cheonggukjang like in this Korean supermarket. No, it's okay. It's but yeah, but I know what it means though because it's so pungent— and nobody actually wants to make it at home because you are going to smell like that for the next five days. Oh, my God. And so can Chad I and now? Is, yes, please. Please. Chad and Jess is going to smell like Jungle Jung for the next five days, which is hilarious. I mean, you can smell that from a mile away. Um, but you, okay. So I made it a slightly different. Like, I almost made it like a doenjang jjigae. Yeah, but you yeah. can't hide the cheonggukjang smell. You can't hide that yeah. smell. And also, because you can't get really good cheonggukjang <sighs> here. Can I eat it? I see shiitake mushrooms or pyogo basat. Mm-hmm. I see radishes. I see um, zucchini, tofu. Oh, my God. Girl. Mm, there's something to the broth. You made really yummy broth. Um, I made it with anchovies and dried shrimp and mool <sighs> and all the stems of the mushroom. Fuck. <sighs> <laughs> 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 
Oh my god! So it's like funkiest cheese, you know, like blue cheese, like three year age blue cheese. You know, like think about that. Like some people love it, some people don't. It's an acquired taste, but if you love it, there's nothing like it. And to even deepen that mm. fermenty flavor, I added bugunji. <laughs> that's that's where you're that's getting that like is. delicious broth too. Mm. From like, so bugunji is like a very very aged kimchi, and I added that to the chungukjang because a lot but, of chungukjang actually have bugunji in it too. Yeah, and I say like, you know, I I, I know we people say aged, but like ripe, ripe, like you know, like ripe cheese, right? Like, like that ripe, shit is ripe. Yeah, like. <laughs> like I know some people, like French people, uh, love ripe cheeses. That's like just runny and like funky. And when I did pop up in Paris, that's what they loved. They like the stuff funky like this. stuff. Yeah. yeah, I was so blown away. It's like really like you like that. It's like yeah, it's really good. And it's like soul food. I should open a freaking Korean restaurant in France, Paris. Oh, you want to do it together? Let's do it. You I'll, can do the wine. I'll have the I'll have the wine and I'll do the um, in part of it. I love how you're. Do you see? Do you hear how she's eating? That's how you're supposed to eat Korean food. What do you mean? Like oh, like that? Just, she's oh, yeah. oh shone. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh my god! And the whole slurping. This is like chungukjang. It's fucking hot as fuck. That's good. Hot as in temperature. It's not yeah. that spicy. I added... No, it's um, not spicy. Yeah. I added a little bit of uh, peppers, but it's not that spicy. So. I want it more spicy. I should have known. Okay, so I should have known I'll be getting this because then I would have worked up my appetite. I, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure your appetite is worked up already. It's like... I can't believe you guys are just watching me eat because... I love it. It'll be so painful for me. If someone's eating like this in front of me. Do you know this is like my favorite thing in the world? You know why I named my restaurant Mokbar? <coughs> yes. Mokbar comes from the word mukbang. Oh, it's really? Mok, it's mukbar, actually. It's not mukbar. It's mukbar, mm-hmm. and mukbar comes from the word mukbang. Because at the time of when I was deciding on what to call my restaurant, I was trying to think about like what inspires me most about food. And mm-hmm. it's, it's my love of watching people eat. Literally, I love me too. Watching people eat—that's why we both cook. Hingbokki, mm-hmm. yeah. Like it warms I, your heart. I feel full watching someone like just inhale food. And that's I what I'm watching. And Same. I'm like, I'm loving this so much right now. She literally ate the entire thing. What well, isn't that what's expected? I mean, some people are like, especially the men on the show. They're like, no, no it's like. <gasps> Um, I mean, it's so disrespectful if I didn't finish it. Speaking from a true, like, chef. Yeah. Chef-y. Yeah. And I'll tell you if it wasn't good. Make you cry, probably. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. Song Yang, I'll let you finish the food. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. She's eating, too. I mean, like, <laughs> we're going to go. I'm going to go have a bowl now, too. Mm. Um, Thank you so much for having me. So delicious. And we can find you, obviously, at Korean Fusion. Yes, um, on Instagram or thekoreanfusion.com. Perfect. And make sure you get a copy of her book. Everyday Korean. And that's our show. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. 
Get Down with K-Town is a production of iHeartRadio and was created by our executive producer, Christopher Hasiotis, and me, Esther Choi. Follow me on all social media at Choi Bites. And I'd also like to thank our producer, editor, and mixer, Marcy DePina. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.